Robert Police is going to get there. There's no question. He squares it. There it is. It's another. And it's Momo Rodriguez again. All right, boys and girls, welcome back to your Houston Dynapod podcast. It's me, the host, Finister. So we're doing it. We're doing it. It's a Kansas City Post game. I called this. I called a slapping of sporting. We're going to slap them up. We're going to make the twine bulge. We're going to pump them full of goals. Well, we pumped them full of one. Should have been two. Old Fafa Pico, he just he missed this spot. And Timmy missed on a header. So it could have been three. At the same time, it very easily could have gone the other way if you watched the match, which I did. I was there. I saw it live. And I'll tell you what, watching a game live versus watching it on TV, totally different. Because on TV, you're only looking at, what, within 15 to 20 meters of the ball. Live, you can see everything. Like, you don't see on TV uh, Zarek Valentin moving the back line and the midfielders away from the ball, getting them back into shape. You don't see that on television. You don't hear it. You could definitely hear it last night. But the, 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 the attendance was good, I thought. Obviously, you'd like for it to be better. But we all know that until we start winning games consistently and we create some type of draw, we know what it's going to look like. I mean, I've been going to games now for almost five years, which is not that long compared to some of you that have been doing this for 15, right? So it's not that long. But either way, I've only seen it packed when uh, LA Galaxy came in or Rooney or when the men's team played or the ladies team, the U.S. women's national team. It's never packed. We'll get there. We'll get there, you know. So let's talk about the uh, lineups. Houston started Marco Marich, Lundqvist, Boniak, center Bone. Tim Parker, Zarek Valentin, Matias Vera, Derek Jones, my man of the match in midfield, along with Joe Corona. And then up top, you had Memo Rodriguez, Maxi Arruti, and Fafa Pico. So who got subbed in? Well, we saw Christian come in for Maxi at the 69th minute or something. Ah, 69. Uh, Minor came in for Boney, and Darwin came in for Memo. I thought they were all good subs. I thought those subs made sense considering what we needed at the time. I was not shocked we didn't see Quintero. He hasn't been good in possession. I was not shocked we didn't see Lassiter. We know that uh, Fafa and Maxi, or Fafa, I mean, he's he's got more range than, than Ari. But there's other things you could have done. But, you know, we had a win. We got a 1-0 win over a good team, over a solid team with one of the best attacking fronts in the league. And I'll take it. I'll take it seven times and one more time on Sunday. I don't know what that fucking saying is. So for Kansas City, you had Pulse Camp and Goal, Martins, Fontas, Illy, and Lindsay on the back line, Walter, Shelton, Kinda, or Kinda, and Busio in the middle. You had Russell as a center, center forward and Polito as a striker. I think that's what I was gathering from what I saw. Subs, you had Espinosa, Saloy, and Harris make appearances for Kansas City. So let's talk real quick on statistics where we got smoked. We got absolutely smoked stats-wise. Kansas City had 16 shots to our five. Four of their shots were on target. One of ours was. Possession-wise, they had 56%. We had 44. Pass accuracy. Kansas City had 82% accuracy. We had 78% accuracy. Casey obviously also completed more passes than us. I don't have the numbers, but they did. Fouls, we had seven to their ten. Yellows, we each got one. Red cards, Coach Tab Ramos got one. 
which we're going to talk about right after I tell you how we had three corners and Kansas City had eight. So I didn't see Tab get thrown out. Here's why. My son, who I went with, he was, I'm tired. I said, all right, ma'am, 80th minute, we can go. 80th minute rolls around and he's like, okay, how about the 85th? Because you know it was getting, it was, it was good. It was a good game. 85th minute rolls around and he's like, I want to go. So we left. As we're walking out, I can hear yells of cheering and then I hear tremendous amounts of booing. And to me, the booing means, oh man, we just fouled somebody in our penalty area and they've got a PK. Luckily, I was wrong. Tab Ramos just put his hands up outside of the coach's box and got thrown out of the game. Is that not the weakest shit you've ever heard? Well, uh, we threw him out because he was outside of the coaching box and he put his hands in the air and that's a no-no. Look, in baseball, calling the umpire a cocksucker, that's a no-no. If you're a hitter and you draw a line in the dirt over where the pitch went, that's a no-no. Putting your hands up because you're shocked at a lack of a call, that's coaching. That's a reaction. He put his hands up, we all booed, and probably told you that you sucked. Also, one of you had a bad haircut, according to one of the supporters in my section. He kept saying, stupid haircut, stupid haircut. To me, it looked like he shaved his head, which I guess people with shaved heads look stupid to this supporter in particular. Supporter, if you're listening, write me in and tell me what you thought about his stupid haircut. What? Hey, what made it stupid? I want to know. So before the game, I had not decided on how I was going to watch it. Do I watch it as dad? Or do I watch it as Finister? Am I going there to work? To have pleasure? Or to have both? So I went and I did the pleasure thing. right? Which I know sounds kind of weird considering I took an 11-year-old. But what I mean is we had... Um, our night. We had the boys' night, right? It was, it was fucking great. It was great. It really was. Picked him up. He was happy. He got new headphones, which he figured out how they worked, and then promptly put them in and stopped talking to me for the ride up, which I had to tell him, take him out. We're going to talk. So we get up there, and we made a few stops prior to. We got our big 34-ounce bottles of water, which I had him smuggle into Pitch 25, because I'm not sure if they... Uh, let you bring outside beverages in. So I had him put them under his hoodie and then put his hands in his hoodie's marsupial pouch, that pouch in the front, and support them. So I taught my son how to smuggle beverages into places they're not allowed to be last night. It's a life lesson. You can get things from that. So we get there and I go up and I say, hey, we get a table. And I said, look, here's six bucks. Go play your games. I'm going to go up and I'm going to order us food. I'm going to get me two beers. So I go up. I order the food. I order the two beers. I get the bill. And the bartender tells me it's $55. And I'm thinking, I got two beers and two sandwiches. How is it $55, player? That's too much money, guys. Well, it was that much because she thought I said two pitch classics, the cheeseburger. I didn't. I said, a pitch classic with fries and a fried fish sandwich with no fries. So we got two burgers with fries and a fried fish sandwich, and I have to transfer money today. But either way, it was great. So I placed the order. I go sit down. I'm sipping my beer. He's down there running around with the kids, and he looks at me, and he goes, Hey, Dad, do you want to um, play some cornhole with me? So I said, yeah, of course, dude. We'll play some cornhole. 
So after I got done thumping him in cornhole, I was destroying him, right? Like, look, 11-year-old, kicking your ass. All of a sudden, my son speeds by me. He runs by me. And he says four words that when you're running, you don't want someone to tell you. He runs by and goes, I got to go to the bathroom, which is six words, actually. I can't count. He goes, I got to go to the bathroom. So I'm like, man, he's running. He must really have to go. When he gets off of the indoor pitch and gets up to the, the catwalk above the indoor pitch in pitch 25, he begins to run on his heels, butt cheeks completely squenched closed. I'm talking like he's clinching them, right? Like he's hiding stuff up there and it's, it's trying to burst out. And then his thighs are together. So he runs the entire way through pitch 25 on his heels. I'm talking like arms are close to the body. He's holding everything in. And I see him running and I'm like, man, that boy's, my boy's about to shit his pants. If I'd, have been, if I'd have been just any old person in pitch 25 and I'd seen a young man run by me like that, I'd be like, yo, that kid's about to poop big time. So it, it worried me because it's a long haul. And then I start thinking, what if when he gets into that restroom, what if all the stalls are taken? Because that's the most demoralizing feeling in the world. You ever been in the car and you know you got about 10 minutes to the gas station but you got to poop. I'm talking real bad. I'm talking like you're squirming, you're keekling, you're trying to suck everything back up through your large colon. And then you park at the gas station. And it's like, as soon as you put the car in park, your body knows. It's like, all right, I'm about to get some relief. Let's go. And you get in the gas station and you see, whoosh, you see the bathroom door. And when you open the bathroom door, your body is basically been like, all right, I got to get this out. But then you look and the stalls are taken. Not worst feeling ever. Worst feeling ever. I've been on the other side of this where I was the one that took the last stall once and I walked out to probably a 70-year-old overweight white man shitting in the urinal at McDonald's on 518 and 45 in League City, if you were interested. And right before I went in, I'd made the joke. I was like, ah, if it's busy, I'm just going to poop in the urinal. And as I walked out, I shit you not, a no shame, old, chubby, bald white man was shitting in the urinal and I walked by him and he was just like couldn't make it. I'm thinking fucking, you didn't have to tell me that. Like I knew, I knew when I saw you there, when I saw your milky white thighs and you just, your, your rotund ass just placed over the urinal, just shitting in the tiny little urinal. I knew you couldn't make it. At least it didn't poop in the sink, right? So we ate like kings. We ate great. I kicked his ass in cornhole, drank my two beers. He didn't shit himself. We get to the game. Now we get there and, you know, we were there early, got there for the anthem, did all that, did all that. It was nice. I've, as, if you watched, excuse me, if you listened to the pregame, you knew going into this, I was, I was confident. And I wasn't very confident after halftime. The Sporting KC looked faster than us. They pressed us very well. We did okay at breaking the press. You can tell we struggled to break the press without Tyler Pasher. It's, it's evident. Memo Rodriguez is not the kind of guy who you're going to get him the ball and he's going to move up the pitch and break the press. That's not Memo. Memo's a pass and move type of guy, I think. But man, at halftime, when we went in, we had more shots on goal at that point. But I was just thinking, man, they look better. They look better. And then I remember Russell came off. And as soon as Russell came off, I kind of got like relaxed, right? Fafa had missed that little uh, 
that little toe tap that went wide. Timmy had missed the header. And then we saw something we haven't seen all year. We saw a smooth, silky, six foot four Derek Jones just bossing shit in the midfield. He looked like he was on another level last night. I don't know where this came from or if this has always been there. Now, I have knocked on Jones and how he runs all year. And it hit me last night watching him spin and slide and actually move with the ball. He looks like and he moves like Tangi Ndombele from Tottenham, who if you ever watch Ndombele run, he always looks like running is a chore and he looks absolutely exhausted, which is how Derek Jones looks to me. But seeing him on the ball last night and moving the way he did and just using his frame and gliding past guys, man, we've got something there. We really do. And that sucker's young. He's not even at his peak. So we've got something there. That was, that was impressive to watch. He was my man of the match. So let's get into our players and their ratings. Well, Marco Marich, I rated a 7. I thought his saves were great. I thought his distribution was better. I actually started counting the amount of long passes that Marco distributed and how many went to our players. And it's about 33%. Because at, at one point I got, I got tired of counting. He put a couple in the area that with a little help from a bad header from KC landed at our feet. He, he did boot one out of bounds. You know he's going to do that. But his communication was very good too. I think Marco... This year versus last year, it's night and day. I thought last year he was okay. I think this year he's doing very well. He got his first clean sheet. That's huge. That's a little confidence builder, especially considering we didn't play a bunch of a bunch of uh, bunch of schmucks. We played a good team. So moving out to the left back, Adam Lundqvist. I gave him a six. He looked better passing the ball. Uh, I do think he struggles with that high press. Again, it was relatively quiet. He did his job. There wasn't, you know, they, they tried to cross the ball in quite often. We did a good job with Parker and Boney getting rid of it. But I thought Adam looked better this game than last game. Moving on to Tim Parker, I gave him a seven. To me, Tim Tim rarely does anything wrong. He had that good chance on the header, just didn't quite curve in. Strong work defensively. He steps up. He's a leader on the back line. He does what he's supposed to. So I gave him a seven. Boney, I gave Boney a six. thought he played well. I thought he did his job. You could tell a difference in comfort level at center back between Boney and Maynor Figueroa when Maynor came in. Maynor just gets in there and he's like, fuck, let's go to work. Zarek Valentin, moving on to him. I gave him a five and a half. Uh, it could have been a six. He fell down again. He's fallen quite a lot. Now, one thing I noticed there in person is that he communicates very well, a lot. He talks nonstop. And I always thought Tim would be the one doing the talking. It looks to me like maybe it's Zarek and Tim and they relay it across. But Valentin does a very good job of communicating. It's starting to look to me, based on what I saw last night, like he is running the show. And he's moving people back you know, into position, back into shape. Now let's move forward to one I'm going to talk about for a minute. Derek Jones. I gave Derek an 8. Man, what a night this guy had. He's here. He's there. He's every fucking where. Derek Jones. Derek Jones. For real, he was. He looked, like I said, he looked silky and smooth, but he also looked like running is kind of a chore and he doesn't want to do it. Derek Jones, to me, he got an assist, but his stuff in the middle of the field, man, 
his uh, his tackling, his protection of the ball, his passing was improved. What we saw from him tonight, last night, was the best game by a single player other than Tyler Pasher this year. And I gave Jones my man of the match. Pasher's been the standout everywhere. Last week, we didn't really have one. This week, it was Derek Jones. Some people said Marco Marich. Okay, that's fine. We can we can disagree, and you will be wrong. I think Derek Jones had a standout performance. And I think if you put Pasher in the way he plays and Derek with a night like he had last night, we could be dangerous, even though we have the fourth lowest payroll in MLS, which we're going to get to. Uh, Joey Corona, Joey Benny, he had a sick, solid night. This guy is solid after solid after solid after a slow start to the year. It looks like he's starting to gel. Solid. He's been solid. He's been consistent. Matias Vera, I gave him a seven, really coming around. He's had one off match this year, and it would have been week two versus Portland. But the other three matches, he's been stellar. I think the midfield as is with Vera, Corona, and Jones looks pretty good. So that makes you wonder, when we get to our next guy, Memo Rodriguez, where does Memo fit when Pasher comes back? Do we, do we pull Jones after what we saw last night? Jones does not appear like he's going to score. Memo is a scoring threat. Memo is a creative threat. But who makes the room for Pasher? Pasher's got to go back up top. Who makes the room? So with, with Memo, I gave him a five. I thought he had a quiet night. It was obvious that Casey had no trouble doing what I call walking him down with their pace. And what that means is he looked like he was walking when he had the ball compared to how fast these guys closed him down. When Memo plays those fast guys that press, it, problems are going to happen. And we don't have any true possession guy up front. Our true possession creator is on the bench because he hasn't been performing well. That's Darwin Quintero. He hasn't been performing well. But the big question is, where is Memo going to fit when Pasher comes back? He's not going to replace Corona. Corona can create and score. He's not going to create uh, excuse me. He's not going to push Matias out, and I don't think he should push out Derek Jones after what we saw. Does Memo replace Fafa? I don't know, but for Fafa, I gave him a five, and in my notes I wrote another night of running fast and turning it over, because that's what he does. He runs into trouble and then he loses the ball. He does things well. He does some things well, but when he plays against equal speed. Everything he has is negated. He has to be against guys who are slower to look good. When he plays against guys that can move with him, he doesn't look as good. He should have had a goal. We should have had a 2-0 lead. And the booing and the hand-raising of Tab Ramos wouldn't have been as you know, important at the end. Next, Maxi Ruti. I rated him a 7. Why? He got a goal that I've been talking about. Uh, I thought he did a very good job defensively. He takes a lot of flack. Everybody likes to refer, refer to him as like Timber Legend, Montreal Legend. Look, guys, he's what we got. And you might not like him or you might knock the fact that he's been an MLS journeyman, but he has put up decent numbers through his career, and he's still here, and he's what we got. And I will be honest, I've seen Christian Ramirez all of last year and this year. Maxi brings a different dynamic. Maxi can do things Christian can't, period. So... Unless we sign another striker, Maxi's going to be playing. So if you're clamoring for Ramirez, be careful what you wish for. Love Christian. He's a great guy. Definitely needs to work on his haircut. But Maxi creates a new, a new level. 
He does things that Ramirez can't do. So the subs, Ramirez. Christian came on. He did Christian Ramirez stuff. He ran around. He chased the ball. I don't like his haircut. I can't stand it. He got it edged up. I just, I don't know. He kind of looks. He kind of looks like a stuffed animal. Like he kind of reminds me a little bit of like Curious George. Like he does. And Curious George is adorable. So don't view that as an insult. Curious George is an adorable little tyke. But like Christian, maybe we, maybe maybe you could dye it. Right, like purple, dude, go orange down the middle. Go like black, orange, black, like dynamo head. I don't know, but he did his normal stuff. Darwin Saren got on. He has been very steady. We know the last 20 minutes of the game, after the first match, after the first match versus San Jose, I thought Darwin, when he's come on, he's been steady. He's done his job. He's done well. He's doing fine. Minor Figueroa comes in for Boney towards the end. The... The awareness of oneself is evident when Minor gets on the pitch. This guy knows what he's doing. At his age, I've commented before, his physical appearance is extremely impressive. He's a better center back than Boney. He is. But at his age and at Boney's age, they're not going to go Saturdays and Wednesdays. They can't do it. That's why I think you saw this change. Overall, overall in this match, we were outplayed 100%. But doesn't matter if you get outplayed, we got the result. Now, if we continue on this pattern of being outplayed, eventually these results are going to stop. So we, we, we know we have things we need to get better at, like finishing. Tab's red card talked about it. Um, I think it just comes down to shitty officiating. Again, MLS officiating is all over the map. Giving a coach a red card for walking out of the coach's box and putting his hands up, that's ridiculous. Every single coach does that. They all do it. So fucking call it both ways. I thought the officiating was awful. We're still late with offsides. We still miss calls that are blatant. Who grades these guys? Does anybody grade these guys? Does anybody go back and break down like, the officials' performance and be like, yo, you got a two. You sucked. You were terrible. Throughout the match last night, and I wasn't on there. I checked later. Discord was hopping. Discord was like real busy last night, bro. Real busy. Oh, tweet of the day comes from MLS Buzz. MLS Buzz says, what's our vision? They called the Dynamo stale. With no exciting DPs, no exciting youngsters, a stagnant fan base, and nothing exciting going on here. He also made the comment that we need ownership to spend money. We, most of us, agree with you. We're not stale. We're not stale. We're kind of in like the doldrums as a sailboat or purgatory if you're, you know, you've sinned but you're trying to make your amends. We have a DP. He doesn't play. We do have exciting youngsters. I consider Pasher an exciting youngster. I consider Derek Jones an exciting youngster. I consider Mateo Bahamich an exciting youngster. Believe it or not, I consider Marco Merritt an exciting youngster considering the age at which he's playing keeper in a professional league for us. So we have exciting youngsters. We have Palomino. We have McHugh. We have all those guys. Stagnant fan base. Yes, we do. We do. We do. The fans that go, we're in it. We're in. But there's a lot of Fairweather fans. There's a lot of guys that... They had to go up, have a couple beers, wear their fucking Sparrys with my shorts that are too short, which I don't get that. Your shorts should go to your kneecap at least, boys. But whatever, you know, 
who am I? I'm a you know an 80s baby. And their tight shirts and their perfect hair and their Ray-Bans, whatever. Uh, maybe I'm jealous because I buy my shoes at Ross, but I fucking spend my money elsewhere. I can't tell you where. Uh, but no, there's exciting things going on here. Tab Ramos is exciting. What we're doing with our payroll and our and our work rate and our performance, that is exciting. I said in the pregame, we have to find a way to win different, period. We have to. If we're not going to spend money, we've got to figure out a way to win without money. Well, you need money to win. Not always. You don't always need money. It helps. But there's not a single fan that would, would, would disagree with MLS Buzz on the ownership not spending money. We know that. We're the fourth largest market, and we're fourth from last in spending. Philadelphia is – aren't they low? Philly's low. Anyway, moving on to questions. Question time for Finister. So Chuchin from Discord asks, would you rather have a team roster salary like ours with our results or Cincinnati with their results? Fucking ours. Ours. We're in, what are we, in fourth place after five matches? That's going to change. And we've spent $9 million. FC Cincinnati spent 17 And they are getting pumped. Oh, my God. They're getting walloped. Hey, guys, it's not always the money. We're separated from the top by $8 million. Okay? In European, in major leagues, that's a player. Major leagues. EPO, La Liga, Bundesliga, Serie A, League One, and the one from Portugal. That's a player. Eight million bucks is a player. That's one player's wages or one player's transfer fee. We can compete spending half as much on players. We can compete. We're not far from the middle. We're closer to the bottom, but we're not far from the middle. I would take... I would take my team over any team any day because I'm loyal as fuck. Moving on. Rushan from Twitter asks, and Rushan sends me voice messages, which you guys can do, I think, through Anchor. It's hilarious, man. I fucking love listening to him. Rushan from Twitter asks, was Marich's long passing better this game? Yes, his long passing was better. Yes, he played out the back more. Yes, there were more throws into play. But there's times he doesn't need to pass it long. But he's got to work on it. If he's not good at it and he never does it, he's never going to get better. So, yeah, it was better. I thought it was better. Rushan also asks, uh, and I, I had trouble understanding this one. On a few occasions, Casey had space to kick out. Why do we allow that and not press them? Well, our guys are not robots. They're going to get tired. We played on Saturday. We played last night. We play again on Saturday. So when you create your game plan, you have to figure fatigue into it. They're going to be off today. They're going to train Friday. And they're probably going to leave Friday night for Colorado, which is a two-and-a-half-hour plane ride. And it's a raise in altitude. And Tab Ramos might not be there. So, no, I don't have good feelings about Colorado at all right now, despite their liberal views on marijuana. Final question from my boy, Dago Rodriguez. A couple things. He says, Congratulations to our boys, the Dynamo, for their victory. Whoop, whoop. Goddamn right. He says, in your previous podcast episode, you mentioned the possibility of signing Carlos Salcedo. But realistically, what are the chances the Dynamo can sign him? Slim to none. No, no. Excuse me. What are the chances we can sign him? There's a 100% chance that we can. What are the chances we will? Slim. If we are... If we are in a spot where we will be in the playoffs and there's a transfer opportunity, 
and you don't take it to try and actually make a push for a deep playoff run or home field games in the playoffs, that's moronic. Matt Jordan, you are buying and selling to save your job right now because with your resume, you might get a job in USL, but I don't know another MLS team that's going to be clamoring to hire you. I don't, based on stats. Second question from Dago. He says, what effect do you think signing Salcedo would have on the team and the fan base? Massive. Massive. I mean, to put a dollar sign on it, I think he would pay for himself in extra sold tickets and merchandise. I think Carlos Salcedo has a chance to pay his own transfer fee, unless he's a free transfer, with his merchandise sales and the tickets, the, gen- the, the Tigres fans that are going to come out and watch just to see him. Pays for himself. That's one thing you got to look at. Then he says, I know I'm late on this, but what happened to Wilfred Zahibo and Ronaldo Pena? I'm pretty sure they were both let go. I was kind of high on Zahibo, and I was hit or miss on Pena, right? FIFA had him ranked like a 69. Zahibo was a big boy, but essentially Derek Jones is Wilfred Zahibo now. He's just younger. And from what I saw last night, has the potential to be better. Uh, Ronald Pena never panned out. Don't know where he went. Pretty sure we just didn't re-sign him, and he's somewhere floating around. I guarantee you they're both somewhere, right? They're both somewhere. Fucking wet and arrow down, Finister. Stupid dickhead. But no, I don't know. I, I was disappointed. Zahibo never really caught hold, but now we got Jones, and I'm, I'm okay with it. So big match, big win. We go to Colorado this weekend. Uh, bro, if we can beat Colorado, I mean, Austin beat them. I mean, Austin beat Colorado in Colorado. So there's a chance we can beat them. Uh, we're better than Austin. But not having Ramos and then not knowing Pasher's availability, we don't know. If we go up there full strength, I think for sure we can beat Colorado. Will I take a tie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, boys and girls, this has been it. It's longer than I wanted, which is never what a girl tells me. Oh, speaking of that, oh my God, my child, my son, knows the name of my podcast, so I had to go and tell him, hey buddy, don't ever listen to it, and if you do, just know that everything I say is made up. So if you're listening to this one, little buddy, everything I say is made up. None of this is real. It's all a show. Or is it? Guys, I'm your host, Fenister. This has been the post-game After we slapped up Sporting Kansas City, give us a like, give us a share, give us a rate, give us a review. Uh, Follow us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram and um, support the show if you like. Become a contributor. And that's it. Let's get ready for Colorado. Let's stay out of the dispensaries when we go up there. Unless you're a supporter, then feel free to go in. And I'll go Dynamo. Albert Police is going to get there. There's no question. He squares it. There it is. It's a number. And it's Momo Rodriguez again.